Welcome back to Spoonful of Sugar. Today's episode will be hosted by Aditi Kadari. She's a fourth-year international medical student from India, and she'll be reviewing with us the topic of opioids, including their mechanisms, uses, side effects, and treatment of addiction. Hope you enjoy. Hey, future doctors. Thanks for tuning in to Spoonful of Sugar, a podcast made for medical students by medical students to help the medicine go down. My name is Aditi Kothari. I am a fourth-year medical student and I will be your host today. Today we are going to discuss the topic opioids. We will start by learning a bit about its mechanism of action, followed by uses, adverse effects, contraindications to use, and then wrap up by a review of opioid addiction management. This topic is important for the step exam, but more than that, it is very important in clinical practice. I will be asking you a lot of questions, but even if you're not able to answer a few of them, that's okay. No need to worry because this is what a review is. So let's begin. Opium, which is a source of morphine, is obtained from the seeds of poppy plant. They are mainly used for their analgesic properties. They act by binding to opioid receptors located in the brain and spinal cord regions involved in transmission and modulation of pain. Tell me, what type of receptor is an opioid receptor? If we said a G-protein couple type, then yes, you can give yourself a little pat. There are mainly three types of receptors. Can you name those? Mu, Delta and Kappa. At the molecular level, these receptors act by two main mechanisms. First, they close voltage-gated calcium channels on the presynaptic nerve terminal and prevent the neurotransmitter release. Second, they open potassium channels and hyperpolarize and thereby inhibit postsynaptic neurons. Hence, they prevent the release of neurotransmitters which are involved in pain transmission and also prevent the propagation of nerve impulse by hyperpolarizing the postsynaptic nerve terminal. Now let's talk about partial agonist, mixed agonist and antagonist. First, partial agonist. Can you give me an example of a partial agonist? Yes, buprenorphine. Buprenorphine has a low efficacy but a high potency for the mu receptors. What does this mean exactly? Tell me, is efficacy equal to intrinsic activity or affinity? Yes, efficacy is intrinsic activity and potency is equal to affinity. Basically, affinity is half inclined a drug is to bind to its receptor. Whereas, 
Intrinsic activity is what action will it bring about after binding to that receptor. Buprenorphin has a very high affinity towards the mu receptor and it will compete with other full agonists to bind to the mu receptor. However, it has a low intrinsic activity and so it will not exert the same effects that a full agonist would. Mixed agonist antagonist act as agonist on some receptors and act as antagonists on others. Can you give me an example of such a drug? Yes, pantazosin, nalbufin, ditorphinol are three drugs. Pentazosin will act as an agonist at what receptor? Can you tell me? Kappa receptor. Yes, it will act as an agonist at the kappa receptor and will act as a weak antagonist or a partial agonist at the mu receptor. This partial agonist, when combined with a full agonist, will produce an overall antagonist effect. Hence, it may lead to withdrawal symptoms in patients who are dependent on opioids. Pentazosin is mainly used for its analgesic properties. The next mix agonist-antagonist is butophenol. This is a kappa receptor agonist and a mu receptor partial agonist. Since it is a partial agonist at the mu receptor, it will cause less respiratory depression as compared to a full agonist. Butorphenol is used for the treatment of severe pain such as that occurring during labor. Can you give me the names of two opioid antagonists? Yes, naloxone and naltrexone. Since naloxone is a complete antagonist at the mu receptor, it is mainly used in the management of acute opioid overdose to reverse the respiratory and CNS depression. However, the important thing to remember here is that it has a very short half-life. So what might happen is, a patient with severe acute toxicity might recover with one dose but soon enough would relapse into a coma as soon as naloxone's effect is over. The other drug is naltrexone which has a longer duration of action as compared to naloxone and is used mainly for relapse prevention in addicts and we will discuss about this at the end of this section. Now let's move on to the therapeutic, therapeutic uses of opioids. First, analgesia. This is the most widely known use. It is used mostly in chronic cancer conditions. Here let's take a moment to discuss some of the alternative routes of its use. Sometimes intolerable GI side effects develop from the chronic use of opioids. In such cases, alternative routes of drug administration like via a transdermal fentanyl patch can be used for longer periods. Another such route is through buccal transmucosal fentanyl 
This is used for shorter periods. Second use is in acute pulmonary edema. This is an interesting use. In cases of acute pulmonary edema, people feel dyspneic. Intravenous morphine will relieve this subjective sensation of shortness of breath. It will not do anything for the edema, but it will just provide relief to patients. And as we know that opioids have a tendency to cause respiratory depression, so, so they have to be used with caution in pulmonary edema. Third use is cough. Can you tell me the names of two drugs mainly used for cough suppression? Yes, these are codeine and dextromethorphan. The fourth use is diarrhea. Opioids are very effective in the management of all types of diarrhea. However, in cases of infective diarrhea, antibiotics must be used. Can you tell me two most commonly used drugs for the treatment of diarrhea? Yes, diphenoxylate and lopramide. Now, can you tell me why these drugs are preferred here? It's because they have very less CNS penetration and so very few CNS side effects. The fifth use is for shivering. Mepiridine is reported to have the most effective anti-shivering properties compared to all the other opioids. Moving ahead, side effects. The first side effect is opioid tolerance. This is defined as needing increasing doses of opioids to produce the same effect. I can explain this by an example. Suppose a non-tolerant person like you or me takes 60 mg of morphine. It will cause respiratory arrest. But for an opioid dependent person, Doses such as 2000 mg taken over 2 to 3 hours does not produce respiratory depression. So that is like uh, 30 times the dose? I don't know. Do the math. I was never good at it. <laughs> okay. So there are a few effects of opioids which will not develop tolerance. Can you tell me which of them are? Okay, so I will state the effect and you tell me whether tolerance develop to it or not. Ready? Okay, first, meiosis. No, tolerance does not develop to this. Second, analgesia. Yes, tolerance does develop to this. Uh, how about respiratory depression? Yes, tolerance does develop to respiratory depression and constipation. No, tolerance does not develop to constipation and last one, emesis. Yes, tolerance develops to emesis. So, uh, meiosis and constipation are the only two effects to which no tolerance develops. Okay, while we are on the subject of meiosis, 
there is one exception, one opioid which does not produce meiosis, rather it causes mitriasis. Can you tell me which one? It's mepridine. Mepridine produces mitriasis. Can you tell me why? What's the mechanism behind this? It's because of the anti-muscarinic properties of mepiridine. Okay, perfect. Uh, moving on, the next adverse effect is dependence. Dependence is when failure of continuous drug administration will cause characteristic withdrawal symptoms. These withdrawal symptoms are important to recognize on the exam because it is their favorite question. They will describe withdrawal symptoms in the question stand and will ask about the management. These symptoms are shivering, lacrimation, piloerection, yawning, rhinorrhea. Now, this reaction uh, does not develop only when the drug is withdrawn, but it can also develop when an antagonist like naloxone is administered to a person dependent on morphine. Now let's have a look at the contraindications of opioid use. First, combination of a weak partial agonist with a full agonist like morphine. This will lead to an overall antagonist effect like we discussed earlier and it will manifest as either reduced analgesia or it can even manifest as withdrawal symptoms. Second contraindication to its use is in cases of head injury. Okay, let's see the concept here. It's very interesting. Opioids cause respiratory depression, right? This will lead to carbon dioxide retention. Carbon dioxide will cause vasodilation of cerebral blood vessels and increase the cerebral blood flow. This will lead to an increase in intracranial pressure and in patients with head injury, this is dangerous. The third contraindication is use of opioids in pregnant women. The fetus may become dependent on, chronic, on opioids in chronic opioid users. After delivery, the baby develops withdrawal symptoms which is called neonatal abstinence syndrome. This is treated with methadone. The symptoms are persistent crying, irritability, sneezing and inability to feed. The fourth contraindication is hepatic and renal impairment. The active metabolite of morphine, can you tell me which is it? Morphine-6-glucuronide. Morphine-6-glucuronide is renally cleared. This may lead to morphine toxicity in patients with renal failure. So the opioids that are used in them instead are fentanyl and hydroxymorphone because these two are hepatically cleared. Okay, so now we will discuss opioid addiction management. Let's discuss the drugs used. First one is buprenorphine. From our discussion earlier, can you tell me which kind of uh, drug is buprenorphine? 
it's a partial agonist it has a long duration of action and is taken in the form of a sublingual tablet so if an addict takes this tablet daily that person will not experience the withdrawal symptoms from stopping their daily drug taking activity now sometimes what happens is the person might crush the pill and try to take it intravenously to get that high to prevent this we use a combination pill of naloxone with buprenorphine normally naloxone is not absorbed sublingually so it will not exert its antagonist action however if the person tries to take it intravenously naloxone will exert its antagonist effect on the mu receptor and so the person will not experience that high for which they took the drug intravenously The next drug is methadone. This is a long-acting oral drug and is used mainly for maintenance after detoxification. This is because it reduces cravings. It is a regulated substance and is obtained from the methadone clinics. The final drug is naltrexone. This is an opioid antagonist compared to the previous two which were agonists. Naltrexone is used for relapse prevention. While managing their addiction, people may relapse and type to and go back to their original drug-taking behavior. But if they are taking naltrexone regularly, even if on some days while they relapse and try to take drugs, naltrexone will act as antagonist at the mu receptor. and the patient will not experience the effect of those drugs thank you for listening if you found this episode helpful please subscribe to our podcast if you have any questions comments concerns visit our website at spoonfulofsugar.org and post them under the link for this episode good luck with studying and remember that if you ever have an asthma moment while studying Don't look so good is always here to help the medicine go. Thank you.